This is the It's Reality Podcast, where we'll talk about anything and everything from the paranormal, health, the supernatural, aliens, and much more awesomeness. And now, get ready for your host, Rudy, on the go. Well, good evening and welcome to another segment of It's Reality Podcast. Today on episode 8, the topic of today is... I saw the devil. <laughs> wow. Uh, kind of a scary thought. You know, going around, oh, I saw the devil. I saw Satan. Um, I mean, uh, Lucifer, El Diablo. Just the thought of it is really, really, uh, I mean, this is giving me the chills. Uh, so you think about seeing the devil it's like wow that is something I never even uh, fathom or thought of there's been cases where, and I'm sorry for the pause but I'm trying to catch my breath thinking about this it's so horrific the thought of you know Satan do you believe in the devil do you believe in God? I I personally, I know I believe in God. The, a God, the creator of all, of everything that we have, life itself, the earth, the, the stars, the sky, the moon, the galaxy. You know, it's it's makes you wonder, God and Jesus, when we go, where do we go? You know, but I'm not going to get into that topic because that's going to be a topic for another segment. The thought of Satan is one that we hopefully never have to run across because the devil himself is, I mean, yes, yes, I say devil does exist. If God exists, so does the devil. I mean, there's no question about it. He does. So, I have a story here of this young man. His name is Messiah. Messiah is out of Detroit, and he had an encounter where he says that he he saw the devil. And the way I look at it, or what makes me think about this after his encounter, it's kind of like he was either you choose the devil or you choose God. You choose good, you choose evil. Which route do you take? And the encounter, again, and I'll repeat it, encounter, because he states that he went through this, he saw it, and he experienced it. He had a choice. He had a choice of either going one direction or the other, and there's no second thoughts about it. Myself, if I was given that choice, I wouldn't even think twice on it. I've always told my kids, if you have to think about something something more than once, then it's not good. If I choose between God or the devil, immediately I'm going to say God. I'm going to say Jesus himself, his son, the Lord, 
God. Because there's nothing better than being pure. And we're I know we're all sinners. We are all sinners down beneath. I mean, we've done something bad. We've done, we're not perfect. No person is perfect on this earth. But choosing God is the only way because he can only bring you eternal happiness after we leave this earth. But again, we're going to put that aside. Right now, I want to share with you the story of Messiah out of Detroit. So give it a chance. I'll come back. Give it a chance of you thinking and close your eyes and just imagine what this young man went through. And, you know, think about it. So, okay, here's Messiah with his encounter uh, with uh, the devil. I had just moved to Michigan, home. I had been going back and forth from Minnesota to Detroit. Just re-familiarizing myself with the landscape and my friends, my family there. At the time, coming back, people were beginning to notice that I had grown up a lot, my beliefs had changed, but I was still the same core, hardworking person. I was still dating, but my primary interest was still my baby's mom, who still lived in Minnesota. We had a child together, Isaiah, my youngest son. Messiah came to Minnesota to visit Isaiah and myself, but also to see, he still had two brothers living in Minnesota, so to also see his brother. And his mom was coming this trip. It was almost summertime. It was almost like spring break, pretty much. So the kids were out. It's an opportunity to, to all get together. And we were staying at a hotel, and uh, there was a pool there. Samika so dropped me off and was telling me, don't, don't go swimming. You know how to swim. And I was assuring her that I wasn't going to go swimming, but I would take the kids down so that they could swim in the shallow end of the pool. I just knew my limits. I understood that... It's like I can't fly, I can't swim. <laughs> there was like seven, eight, nine kids, and I figured that was too many kids for you know him to handle it. So uh, I told him, you know, hold on real quick, I'm gonna run upstairs, I'm gonna grab some shores and come back down to help you with the kids. They're all down playing, and my niece, Kiera, was trying to either jump off the edge or was kind of running and sliding. Looked very dangerous. Um, immediately trying to get to her A because I was I feared she would fall in the pool. But she slipped somehow and just caught herself onto the the ladder. And I remember trying to get to her. She seemed like she was gonna be okay. But uh that was the last thing that I really remember. The sensation of drowning is this, you know, fearful, helpless, can't touch anything, you can't feel anything.
The first thing I remember was these huge bubbles. It's like it being in a water cooler. I mean, bigger than my face type bubbles. And it wasn't just like one or two. It's like bubble after bubble after bubble appearing and then floating away from me. And after that, I would kind of black out, if you will. through the door and I could see all the kids from across the room standing along the pool and they're just looking out into the pool and I don't see my brother so you know I'm asking them you know where's my side and they all get to point down in the pool I'm walking up to the pool I look down the pool and I see him at the bottom he was looking up at me at, at first he was looking up you know and I'm thinking well why is he, is he holding his breath is he playing is he dying what is he doing he was still looking up at me, so then I got to getting serious, you know, thinking something was really, really wrong. We grabbed the pole, and we couldn't get him, so I just get to screaming, help, help, because somebody helped. There was a man walking down the stairs, and I guess he heard me hollering for help. You know, he took off his shoes, took off his jacket, and then he jumped in, and he pulled inside. Oh. His eyes, they had shut closed, and he was just, you know, just limp, no reaction, no, just nothing. We were all frantic and hysterical. My auntie was like, well, just keep on saying his name, keep on saying his name. So we just kept on saying his name, you know, Messiah, Messiah. They took over, and I say about a good minute and a half, he started spitting up water. They said they had a small pulse, you know, barely a pulse, but it was there. So, you know, they, they were rushing to the hospital. I heard my phone ringing at home. I got in, I dropped my purse on the floor because I'm running to the cordless phone. I picked the phone up and my son said, Mom, I need you to come back because Dad died. I dropped the phone, ran to the door, grabbed my purse and I got in the car. As I got to the stoplight where you turn left to go to the parking lot of the hotel, I saw an ambulance whizzing by. I went into the parking lot and Messiah's brother was crying. These men don't cry. These three brothers, they don't cry. They're not emotional. So him crying, it scared me. me in the hospital bed in the gown with no injuries no IV nothing like that all of the sheets the curtains were new my gown was still had creases it was brand new the room was so clean that it, it was almost too perfect again it, it it definitely made me feel like it couldn't be real There's a nurse who just keeps her back to me the whole entire time, doing things, messing with the drapes. 
I try to reach out to her, and she kind of turns, and she looks over her shoulder at me, and she's like, oh, you'll be fine. And I look at her, and I'm, she looks just like Samika, but she's like more fair-skinned and lighter-skinned lady, but looks just like her in the face. So I actually thought it was her. Having seen the bubbles and feeling like I had was, you know, in water or drowning, I felt better because now I was in the situation where it seemed like I was okay, I wasn't hurt, and there was a nurse that looked just like my girlfriend. <laughs> we exchanged a glance with each other, um, and the smile was, was very comforting. It's almost like I'm a, blowing up to a blackout again. It's like a, like a, just complete darkness. Next thing I began to hear voices in this darkness, just whispers at first. They're just saying stuff like, it's okay. Um, you're, you're gonna be all right. Don't be afraid. It hits me at this point that I'm not dreaming. It was apparent that I was dead. accident with my cousin, my grandmother, people that had passed away, and they're, they're directing me, you know, it's okay, go ahead, you know, go, go for it, keep moving, it's, got, it's gonna be all right, don't, don't be afraid, to the point where it's almost upsetting, like, why are they, why do you guys keep saying this? They're not responding to my, are you theirs, hello, and as the words become more clear, the voices begin to get louder, um, I see these two little, like, lights off into the distance. I began to walk towards the lights. I see that it's not actually light, it's actually like two little flames, like two torches. So as I'm getting closer, I begin to see there's like gold coins, goblets, all types of gold items. Fear grew with each step that this seems like you're dead, this is death, that's hell. I started to see a figure sitting there and he's sitting not in a, a throne, but he's actually sitting in this heap of gold. He's enormous, at least 12 feet into the air. Just sitting there with a menacing look on his face, almost like a bull's head, but with a human face. So it was really big, deep, like blood red. You know how blood is like almost black, but red. He's really intimidating, he's sitting there, horns, that come out and curve. I was terrified. I was terrified. Seeing Satan face to face, I knew I was dead and I was going to hell. 
had done so many things as a kid to try to stay away from trouble. I couldn't, I couldn't understand it at all, but I had to accept the facts as they were that there was no turning back. I'm beginning to no longer ask my grandmother and my auntie what's going on now. I'm convicted, like, is this what you guys want me to do? And they're telling me, yes, it's okay, you're gonna be fine, it's okay. As they're saying these things, he's looking around to see who they're talking to. And I'm 50 yards away, but he's not paying me any attention. I want him to know if this is the way I'm going to go. I want you to know how unhappy I'm going to be about it. So I'm yelling, I'm cussing, come and get me. And once I get to about 25 feet, Satan, the devil, finally looks directly at me. The whispers kind of begin to die down, and it's just my grandmother again, and she's like, it's gonna, it's gonna be okay, go ahead. He looks and he leans forward, and then he just kind of eases back and kind of sits back into his chair, as if to say, nah, I'm gonna pass on you for now. And then my grandmother's like, I told you, you'll be all right. You don't have to be afraid, it'll be all right. And then that kind of ease into this darkness, to the sleep. And as the voices are fading in, it's my mom. I start to kind of come to and kind of open my eyes a little bit. It's a really blurry, blurry light. The day that I woke up, they were going to unplug me from the life support systems. If I hadn't woke up, I would have been a vegetable. They would have had to let me go. Or my right lung rather completely collapsed. For that week, this side of my body was not functioning without the help of a machine. I look at the scars from my arm and the scar from the catheter in my head. They're all reminders every day that medically it's a miracle, a medical miracle. I didn't want to scare her, but I just couldn't hold it in as far as what I saw. And I say, uh, so, are you ready to be a mom? She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, you're pregnant with my kid. She was like, how do you know that? I was like, well, I seen a lady that looked just like you. It couldn't be anybody but your kid. I tell Tamika that the nurse I saw in the hospital room, realizing that I was dead, was my daughter. I do remember thinking, Lord have mercy, he has lost his mind. <laughs> He's fruity in the loops, but he asked me again, do you know if you're pregnant? So I said, oh, okay. I said, no, I don't know. One of the nurses said, well, I'll just ease, ease you a pregnancy test. And I went and took it, and yeah, I was pregnant. So she comes back into the room, and she was like, how in the world did you know that? I knew for sure. And I was like, you're pregnant. You're going to have this person. I saw something that was in the future. Maybe not even a half hour out of my coma, I proposed to her. She said yes. She said yes. I was the happiest fresh out of a coma man ever. 
<laughs> three months later, we got married. Then three months after that, Mary was born. And then 10 months after that, Mira was born. I believe it pushed him towards being the man I always saw. He is so wonderful as a father. I think that's the thing that I've always loved him, but I think that's the thing that it just makes me love him so much. Wow, <laughs> amazing. So did Messiah go there? What was the reason? Was there a message for him? Which I'm sure we've heard that he saw ahead. He saw the future. He saw his child, which was the person that was there watching over him, or the nurse. That was his daughter. In my vision, as I listened to it, and with my eyes closed, I envisioned that was his daughter telling him, you're going to be okay. You're fine. Then for his relative to tell him, it's fine. Just go for it. Keep walking. Keep doing what you have to do. You're going to be okay. So, again, I'm going to talk about this on my next segment. Uh, I'm not certain when it'll be, but on my next segment, it's going to be about death. Exactly what is death? And there's so much literature that I have that I'm really reading on and I'm taking notes and I'm doing interviews as we speak so so I could have a, a full understanding on where do we go when we die? What is death, you know? But as for Messiah, uh, I give him, uh, wow, props. <laughs> He's a strong guy and... I'm sure he knows now that death is not a scary thing, not after what he went through, because he must have gone through the worst of all. And a very decent individual, and, you know, I, he, he has a good thing going for himself. So, again, so I really hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode and look forward to the next one. For myself, Rudy on the go, I am very grateful for your time and again for listening in. And remember that life is what you make it. If you wish to get in touch with me, send me an email at rudyonthego at hotmail.com. And on the subject line, just please put podcast. And let me know if you're interested in sharing uh, an experience that you've had or if you wish to join in on a live podcast with me, I'd be more than happy to have you on my show. So again, everyone, thank you again, and do take care. We'll see you on the next one. Good night. We hope you've enjoyed today's segment with Rudy on the go here on It's Reality Podcast. Remember to subscribe to his YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Rudy on the go and turn on post notifications to stay updated every time he posts new vids. Until next time.